Listening to Embrace Your Beautiful Destiny, a show where we will talk about finding beauty in the most unconventional places in our lives. So every week we'll talk about dealing with disappointment or overcoming frustration, dealing with stuff that just gets under your skin and derails you. We'll also have amazing guests on here that will be sharing their stories. So I'm your host, Shanna Strange. Let's dive in. Good morning. Hey, it's a, you know, it's that time of year where we're coming into fall in just a couple of weeks. And I don't know about you, but it's my favorite time of year. And I don't know, there's just something about, I don't know, the leaves changing and hot chocolate and coffee and and pumpkin spice everything that and just the cooler weather that just make me feel so much better but you know most of the reason that people love autumn or fall is because of the beautiful color of the leaves right so they go from green to yellow or gold or red or I've even seen purple and you know ultimately it's it's because they're dying <laughs> and we know that but I don't think we really sometimes um, acknowledge that and we just think it's just beautiful and we admire it but I'm just wondering you know spiritually speaking if there are not seasons in our life that we go through something that feels like spiritual death almost uh, but it yields this absolute beauty in our life and uh, we don't appreciate that and we don't see it for what it really is um, I bet other people in your life could say yeah I watched you know, her go through something really hard, and um, I know it was horrible for her, but I saw this beauty come from her that I never could have imagined, so I think, you know, there are seasons in our life that feel like that, and so particularly, I have found that some of the hardest things that I have been through had to do with rejection, betrayal, and you know, and me having to forgive people. And so I wanted to talk about that today because those have yielded, I think, um, it was death to the old me. Um, it, it helped to facilitate that, <laughs> which was, you know, what resulted from that was beauty because I was more Christ-like. And so I want to talk about rejection and betrayal and, and forgiveness and, and seasons and times where, you know, people that you loved or people that you trusted really hurt you and you want to, you know, it's, it's, I think it's very normal and typical for people to hold on to that. But we know that that is not the way of love and that's not the way that God wants us to proceed with uh, our lives. And so I'm going to read just a little bit of, um, <clears throat> Um, part of a chapter that I wrote for my book that I released last year and I didn't even use most of what I'm about to read you so this is um, not exactly from the book but part of it is so this was called the truth about rejection <clears throat> this is what I learned about all of this desperation business people that do not really know who they are will be crushed by the weight of perceived listen to that perceived rejection and failure Every single time. In order to truly understand our identity, we first have to know God intimately. 
and not in a religious, churchy way. And that's the problem for most people is they don't know God intimately. Our relationship with Him must be established and rich. We need to be absolutely convinced of His goodness and kindness toward us. His love for us must be the cornerstone of our lives upon which everything else is built. We need to know God as a loving, doting Father that lives to see us and bless us. And that may be hard for some people to hear that, but He is your Father, I believe, first and foremost. And if you can't see Him that way, it's going to be hard for you to walk out of rejection. And then we need to see Jesus in a certain way too. We must know Jesus as our betrothed, soon-to-be husband that is utterly passionate about us and can't wait to be with us. And we must know the Holy Spirit as our constant and fearless guide that is ready to help us every day of our lives. It's not enough to know of God. We must know God. Something about really knowing settles that anxiousness in us. He quiets us with his love. We can hear the song he sings over our lives. And you know, those three statements I just made about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, are, are I could spend just an entire message on each one of those. Because if you are a person who struggles with rejection, it's going to be of paramount importance, like the most important thing you could ever do is to really, really know God the way He wants you to know Him. To know the the Father as your Father. Not just to have heard of Him and to, to uh, equate Him to some kind of um, God in the sky who's, whose ultimate goal is to just send everybody to hell because they're all sinners. You can't know of God and you can't come at Him from some religious place. You have to know Him intimately as your Father. And you have to know Jesus that, you know, the scriptures, he refers to him, it refers to him in different ways, you know, as our um, firstborn among many brethren, like he's our brother. But it also uh, strongly talks about him in marriage, in a way of being our husband or our, our bridegroom. So to me, that has been really the most intimate form of knowing him is to know him as my husband. Um, and that's the way he desires for us to know him. If he did not, he would not have put that in scripture, I believe. So there's just an intimacy between a husband and a wife that doesn't exist in any other relationship. And Jesus wants us to know him that way. So if you don't know him that way, then it's going to be hard for you not to allow rejection or betrayal from other people to overtake you. And then the Holy Spirit. I know so many people who are just, I'm just going to say, they're just terrified of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> they don't know him in in a personal way. And they've heard so many bad things about him. Man, this could be like a whole series right here. <clears throat> they've just heard so many scary things about him. Um, they're afraid that if they, <clears throat> God, sorry about my voice today. They're afraid they really, um, you know, allow him into their lives the way he wants to be. They'll be crazy. Um, they'll be rolling around the floor. They'll be jumping and screaming and speaking in tongues all the time. And I mean, do I do some of those things? Uh, occasionally, do I speak in tongues? Yes. Do I believe it's still real? Yes. Um, I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm not saying that I 
walk around acting crazy and handling snakes and things like that. I, I mean, that's not what the Holy Spirit's all about. If that's what you've been taught, that's a lie. He empowers you to live every single day. He's your guide. He's your teacher. He's your friend. He's your confidant. He is um, everything you could ever need to live successfully and empowered in this life. And I believe if you try to live in such a way where you exclude the involvement of the Holy Spirit, you will be powerless. And you sure will not be able to um, walk away from the stranglehold of rejection and unforgiveness that you might, that you will face. Because we're all going to face it. I don't care who you are. You're going to face rejection and you're going to face being betrayed. Um, it's just part of the journey. And if Jesus faced it, we are not above our, our master, our teacher. So we are going to face some of the things, same things he did. Maybe not exactly, of course, like, like he did in those situations, but it will be things that are similar. Not just Jesus faced them, but we know many, many people in the Bible face them. You know, I'm going to talk about Joseph here in a minute. Of course, I have to bring him up. Um, so we've got to know God intimately, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, if we really want to um, not be caught up in rejection and overtaken by it. So when we know God this way, then we can see rejection for what it really is. It's redirection. Rejection is really just redirection. It's not an insult to our person, but rather God intervening because of his great love for us. Sometimes it seems like people are in control of our destiny, blocking opportunities, or being disobedient to God's request. Have you ever been there? I have. But the truth is nothing, and no one can take your destiny away from you. It's yours and yours alone. So uh, I'm going to just say real quick, that, I mean, this happened to me. I, I think I talked about this before, but... Um, and I, you know, I really was going to put this in my book and took it out because I felt like it was probably, I don't know, I, I didn't want to make anybody look bad. But I was in a situation, you know, where I was very hurt by church leadership. And <clears throat> I know that they didn't mean to do it to me. <clears throat> I know that it wasn't their intention, intention to deceive me or or to hurt me, but it happened. And I'm telling you, I think that was... I've been in a lot of church pain, but for some reason that one just about <laughs> took me off my feet and just, I, I felt like I could, and I still, I'm going to be honest, I still sometimes struggle with this, um, these feelings of inadequacy that resulted from that season in my life. But this, this is why I wrote this chapter because God taught me. And has been showing me, okay, this is what really happened. And you need to change your perception of what really happened. I know you're blaming it on them, but I that was not my plan for you. And that's why that didn't work out. So I'm going to keep reading. In fact, not only can others not thwart our destiny, they are actually used by God to get us there. No one stood in the way of Joseph's destiny, even though it seemed like his life overflowed <laughs> with one obstacle or blocked door after another. Man, I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can. His brothers thought they were ridding themselves of his existence by tossing him into the pit, but they only set the journey in motion with that. Potiphar thought that throwing Joseph in prison would quench his wife's anger and punish Joseph 
but it actually positioned Joseph where he needed to be at the exact moment to step into his destiny. Out of tragedy and betrayal, God birthed us, uh, birthed salvation for entire nation. And it sounds a lot like Jesus' life, right? That's because it's supposed to. Uh, to God, the master craftsman and author, he set up these incredible stories in the Old Testament that would be a foreshadowing of what was to come. Scholars consider Joseph a type of Christ. The similarities are astounding. Joseph was sold for 30 pieces of silver by his brothers. Judas Iscariot sold Jesus to bloodthirsty zealots for the same. Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of an of an indecent proposal, Jewish leaders falsely accused Jesus of blasphemy. And finally, both Jesus and Joseph brought salvation to their people despite these people's attempts to thwart the pain. So you can see this is a, um, this story in Joseph's life was um, prophetic. It was a prophetic foreshadowing of what Christ was going to do. And I'm telling you, this story even though it's already happened in Joseph's lives, Jesus has already fulfilled it. We're still walking out elements of this story because for some reason, God likes to use this, this type of setup in his stories. So that means we are going to be faced with some of these similar type uh, situations in our life. They won't be as bad, but we will face them. Um, what am I trying to say? If Jesus himself underwent such extraordinary hardship full of backstabbing with an added twisting of the knife, how can we expect any different? Isn't it quite obvious from these stories that God allows and uses betrayal and rejection to set the story up? We oftentimes become obsessed, I mean obsessed with sidestepping the very things that get us to the desired destination, which by the way, would stunt your maturity and your growth. God's using those situations to grow you up or we become fixated on avenging ourselves of the perceived unfortunate actions of others have you been in that situation i have we can spend years plotting i mean silently probably plotting the demise of the backstabbers in our life finding ways to flip the script and expose Expose them for the flawed villain that they really are. <laughs> and it feels so justified in the moment. We, we may not verbally assault them in our conversations with friends. Or, you know, we, we won't put out a thinly veiled social media post that is obvious. But sometimes we do that to everyone but us. But we privately disdain these people. <laughs> a handful of trusted family or friends. Um may know the details, but we usually do our best to keep up the facade that we are fine when someone brings up the villain's name. Oh, I don't know if anybody else can relate to this. I will personally admit the difficulty in moving past the pain that others have caused me. Uh, I would love to tell you I have arrived at a warm and fuzzy place, but some days I still struggle, and this is so true. I know that the quote-unquote villains in my story are not really villains at all but part of me still needs to blame someone I guess it's it's somewhat easier to blame a villain isn't it than to fully accept that backstabbing and the like were part of the plan all along and it's even a bigger thing to move beyond letting the no longer a villain person 
because now I've moved from realizing they're not a villain, right? Into a place of appreciation and in good graces with us. I'm talking about full-blown forgiveness here, not just a tolerance of the people that wounded us, but agape love exists instead of avoiding these people. Um, it's not even possible without God enabling us to do it. But the truth is we have to do it. At some point, we will have to do it. And so, I, I mean, even even just last night, I was at a women's event, and um, we were having just some intercessory prayer time, and the leader said, you know, I just want us all to, if there's someone in your life that you hadn't forgiven, let's pray through that and let's forgive them right now. Let's say their name and say, I forgive you. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I mean, this is stuff that happened five years ago, you know, and I'm having to still say, I forgive this person because I feel those uh, emotions rising up that, that it's their fault. You know, that, that things didn't work out in that situation. It's their fault. And they didn't like me and they didn't think I could sing. And they, they held me back and they took my destiny from me. I mean, all those emotions still try to rise up sometimes. So not all the time, but sometimes, or when I see that person's name or I hear somebody talk about them or like Facebook pops up and I see they post something, there's this part of me that's almost like, and I have to work through it every single time y'all. But I know, I know that God's going to help me eventually move beyond this. I'm not going to give up on it, even though it's hard. So I've realized in my own life how powerful unforgiveness is and how liberating forgiveness can be. When I decided to forgive, which I told you I'm still working on this, um, I took the noose from their necks that I had spent years crafting by hand, and I set them free. Why? Because I needed to be free. I couldn't freely minister while hoisting them up in a noose to their slow and painful death. Isn't that what we're doing? We're plotting their demise, you know? We're like, I'm going to get them back for what they did to me. I could no longer blame them for my current predicament or situation because it really wasn't their fault anyway. They only acted as pawns in a much greater plan. And the truth is, I had arrived at the very place God destined for me to be because they rejected me. Let me read that again. I had arrived at the very place God destined for me to be because they rejected me. Their betrayal catapulted me into this new place. Honestly, I should be, I should shake their hand and give them a bear hug for helping me get to this place. Someday, I hope I can. But for now, I just do my best to show forgiveness in more subtle ways. I would like to exchange this brokenness I feel for a more pleasant robe of some sort. Someday, I hope we can see each other and weep because so much love exists between us. I really, I really mean that. I want to see these people because I'm going to be with these people in heaven. These are not unbelievers that hurt me. These were believers that I had strong relationships with, and I'm sure I hurt them too. And so I don't want to paint a one-sided picture for sure, because uh, we tend to do that. Uh, we can't, we tend to make, you know, shine a bad light on people that hurt us. Um, it was just one of those situations like Paul and Barnabas had, which I'm going to, I'm going to read that here. I'm sorry, John Mark, um, 
and Paul had. And um, actually it was Paul and Barnabas because of John Mark. Yeah, there I go. So um, I, I just want to say that this has been a hard, hard lesson for me to learn, but it's part of your journey. It's part of embracing your destiny, which is why I included it in the podcast. And um, I, I feel like there's so many people who are walking in unforgiveness, but pretending like it's okay, pretending like it's okay to be angry with people who may have um, rejected or betrayed you, and it's not okay. It, um, part of your destiny is forgiving those people. If Joseph had not have learned this lesson in prison. Yet, by the time his brothers came around, if he had not forgiven them, he would have misused his authority, and the whole nation of Israel would have suffered for it. But because he had already worked through the unforgiveness of the betrayal and the rejection of his brothers, it allowed him to save an entire nation. Think about that. That's the power that your forgiveness can have. Do you want to be remembered for the old, bitter person who never forgave everybody and was alone? Or do you want to be remembered for your graciousness, your kindness to people who didn't deserve it? You're, you radiate with peace and joy and beauty from the inside because you've allowed God uh, to help you, to love people through you, to forgive people who did not deserve it. That's Christ. He forgave us before we even asked for it. While we were still still yet sinners, Christ died for us, is what scripture says. And so I want to just uh, talk a little bit about Paul and Barnabas. When I think about this whole situation, it reminds me of Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. The two were commissioned by the church to set out for the work God had had for them. Um, which included establishing the church in other cities, the elders laid hands on them at the urging of the Spirit, and they set out to change the world. It seems they shared a close connection and worked great together. Paul, the great theologian, and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, as he was referred to in Scripture, the dynamic duo that nothing could separate, <laughs> except maybe John Mark, Barnabas's nephew. Ugh, yeah. Family situations, family dynamics enter the picture. Apparently, John Mark deserted them at a critical juncture in their journey. That's according to Paul's version of the story. The rift caused such a disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they could no longer work together. Paul wanted nothing more to do with John Mark, but Barnabas, of course, wanted to continue allowing him entrance to their journeys. It's his nephew, right? The end result left the dynamic duo explosively separated. The fireworks blew the rela that relationship to a heap of dust and ashes like the kind of um, the kind after a 4th of July celebration in downtown Houston. <laughs> Paul left and traveled one way while Barnabas and John Mark went another way. I thought that's where the story ended most of my life, but a couple of years ago I read something that caught my attention. It's not obvious, so I had to connect the dots, y'all. But in one of the later chapters in Acts, after the split, Luke writes about Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark working in ministry together again. Yep, so God not only allowed the separation between these men to further his kingdom, but at just the right time, he brought them back together again. So he allowed that separation. Why? 
because they split up and went different ways and it ended up furthering the kingdom of God. They went to different cities. So God allowed it. And that's because God is all about reconciliation. Scripture says God was working through Jesus to reconcile the world back to himself. I find this reconciliation truth to be encouraging right now. To know that every single damaged relationship that he has ordained in my life will someday be reconciled. It may not happen here on the earth, but at least in heaven, I know genuine love will rule the day between us broken fellow sojourners. All misunderstanding will give way to perfect clarity and the need for bitterness will melt away. We won't care anymore. We will be in the presence of perfect love. But until then, we must learn to trust God's heart and his hand, knowing that if he allows the wounding by betrayal or rejection, that he will make it right in the end, y'all. He will bring healing and closure to those gaping wounds that we sometimes unknowingly inflict on each other. Love will win. So my advice to you is to cut the noose. Free them and free yourself. Trust God to bring something incredible out of this awfulness and move on with your life and destiny. Don't waste time living in bitterness. So I want to encourage you today. Um, I know there's probably someone in your life that you feel like deserves to not be forgiven. It could be your spouse. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. It could be a church leader. I know so many people who left the church because of church hurt. That's the worst kind of hurt, I think. Because for some reason, we pin that on God. And, and, you know, it was your fault. It was in the church. So now I'm going to use that as an excuse to never go back. And I want to encourage you that this is a broken world. And we're going to hurt each other. It doesn't mean that we don't love each other, but we're human and we're fragile and we're definitely imperfect. We're all being, those of us who follow Christ are being conformed to the image of Christ. There's got to be a lot of grace on our part. There's got to be a lot of, I mean, have, have people extended grace to you? Have you hurt people? You have to ask yourself that. Have I hurt someone? But yet, maybe someone else has hurt you and you're refusing to forgive them. But you need to ask yourself, have I hurt someone and I'm expecting forgiveness from them? Yes, of course you have. We all have. You're not perfect. Most of the time, I really believe true followers of Christ don't go around intentionally hurting one another. We do it out of maybe pain or fear or frustration or or maybe they hurt you first, and so you're trying to get them back. You know, we're trying to even the score, which is not the way of love, of course. But we do it. And and so there's got to be a lot of grace, and we all have to walk in forgiveness, and we have to choose to do it daily. We have to crucify our flesh, is what Scripture says, and we have to allow Christ to live through us. And, and so is it easy? No, but uh, we're required to do it by God. So if it's something you struggle with, only... Only the Lord can help you with it. And it starts with knowing who God is and then knowing who you are. Because when you do that, you you can see that um, you just have this strong confidence in God. And you can see that. And this is what really helped me forgive people. If I could and picture Jesus on the cross and, and seeing one of the last things he said is, Father, forgive them or they don't know what they do. He forgave his last 
um, action on earth was to forgive people who were crucifying him. If he can do that, you can forgive someone for what they did to you, no matter how awful it is. And you might be saying, you don't know how awful it was. I was raped. I was abused. I can't imagine. I mean, I have my own issues of things that people have done to me that were not great. And I'm not even going to go into some of those. But nothing. Can you imagine being strung up on a cross, being crucified? People are spitting on you, um, screaming at you, insults at you. Every form of uh, humility that you can think of, not humility, um, just totally dehumanizing you, making you, uh, humiliation is what I meant, trying to humiliate you in any way possible. And you say, you're able to say, forgive them. Father, I forgive them, but you forgive them. He asked God. He, his act of intercession was asking God to not hold it against them for what they were doing to him because they didn't know. He says they didn't know. And that's my last statement to you is maybe those people didn't know what they were doing or they didn't understand it. And, and if you are having problems forgiving people, I would say go to the Lord and say, God, I, I cannot do this within myself. I need you to help me. It always starts with asking. If we ask, we receive. If we knock, we find. If we seek, we'll find. Or the do- if we knock, the door is opened. So I believe asking the Lord and, and being honest about your own failings, and I can't do it, but you can do it through me. So I hope that this message is liberating for you. It has been for me, and it's something, like I said, that it's ongoing in my life. So just keep working at it. Keep asking the Lord to help you, setting you free in this area. And that's it for today, guys. I will be back here next week. Hey, friends. Thank you for showing up for today's episode. I wanted to take a second and tell you about my book, Providence, Embrace Your Beautiful Destiny. So when God gives you a dream, it doesn't come with a manual, does it? At first, excitement and longing for that dream can drive you. But if you don't understand God's process of preparing you for the dream, you can travel a disappointing, discouraging, and confusing path. And then here's the thing. Dreams inspired by God require intense seasons of refinement, perseverance, and character development. Whatever you must endure to reach His dream for you is outweighed by the glory of being changed by God in the most uncommon ways. So I'd love for you to have this book in your hands. There's a couple of different ways you can get it. You can go to my website, shannastrange.net, or you can go to Amazon and just look up Providence, Embrace Your Beautiful Destiny, and you'll find it. It's in digital form, or you can order the hard copy. Thanks, and I'll see you next week.